The Pete Callender Show. I will accept a 3D scan of your face in lieu of the foot mold. You're not getting my foot in a mold so then people can be like, ooh, I'm cutting open Pete Callender's foot, and then I'm going to feel it like a voodoo doll. I know how this works. So where was I? Um... Yeah, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for letting me be a part of your day. Pete Callender here on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. The phone number is 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. I uh, want to thank everybody for the uh, the kind words of support over the last week. I've tried to respond to as many of them as I, uh, as I could, and I've tried to... Um, hey, Mark. I've tried to be... <laughs> I've tried to be... Uh, as responsive as possible, but we're also in the process of selling a house that we literally just bought. So um, I may not have gotten to everybody. But now is the time. If you got questions, uh, feel free to give a call. I, I will try to. I was going to call this like an ask me anything, but I'm I, like, let's be honest. I'm not going to let you ask me anything. So how about ask me almost anything? I'm, I can try to be as uh, as forthright as I can be. Let's just say it that way. Um, For folks who may not remember me, I did used to work here at WBT uh, for about 12 years. I started in 1999. And yes, in case you are of that 1999 class, the voice you hear could also be identified as Peter O'Donnell. I did one season. (laughs) I did one season for the Hornets doing pregame score updates. So uh, that's the only sports uh, experience that I had. Well, aside from the Chester Motor Speedway Live, I did host, uh, well, helped host to that show. Anyway. Point is, I became a news reporter here at WBT, did that for, I guess, wow, uh, eight or nine years, then became a host, and uh, then I left. I went to Asheville. Well, before that, I went to Spectrum TV. I was a reporter for about six months. Then I went to Asheville, hosted the afternoon drive show up there, and this is where I really honed my skills. <laughs> and uh, and now I'm here. I'm back, and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you to Michael and Marsha and everybody else for um, giving me the chance. And thank you for listening. Um, and uh, we'll be getting for folks who may be tuning in. They want the podcast, which I have been doing for about a year uh, uh, since uh, or before today. Um, you'll be able to hopefully have a seamless experience. We are still working on that. So if you got questions, I'm willing to answer them. Um, but I am kind of curious because there's obviously a lot of stuff going on. I've been trying to keep up with a lot of the uh, the news over the weekend. And it seems like, I don't know, maybe I'm mistaken here. It just seems like there's going to be a push to take us back to where we were like a year ago with the pandemic uh, lockdown uh, requirements and mandates and executive orders. It seems like this is where we are headed. Um, I hope we're not. I don't think, I mean, honestly, I think that there are things that, I don't know, they don't make it, they, they don't make sense anymore. The stuff that I was willing to accept before, I am not willing to accept now because it didn't seem like it worked then. And maybe I am mistaken on that, and maybe I can be, you know, persuaded. And look, I try to rem- uh, you know, remain persuadable. It's one of the things when I approach um, topics like this, I try to keep an open mind. I try to see all of the angles as best as I can, and then I try to provide them to you as well so we can all kind of get an understanding. I'm sorry, I'm talking as I'm trying to move a uh, window here off of my screen because it has a word on it that I'm afraid I will utter if I see it for too long. (laughs) It's just an advertisement. And I don't want to say that word on the radio. Point is, um, I would try to look at all of these issues as uh, from as many different angles as possible and then present them, right? And then you can debate them. You can understand your own argument by better understanding your opponents. And uh, one of the things... 
during the last year that I have not really understood is if we're trying to get to herd immunity, does it really matter how we get there? I would think not, right? Because from the very beginning, right at the beginning of the pandemic, I was looking at Sweden and saying this is sort of the model, right, that we should probably be looking at because viruses behave in certain ways and we don't know how bad this is going to be. And so when people were like, we need to shut everything down to flatten the curve, I thought, okay, well, if it's just going to be, you know, 15 days to flatten the curve and, you know, of course, you know, government would never lie to us, right? I mean, that's, that wouldn't be the case. And so, um, <laughs> so they, they take us through the, the 15 days, the curve doesn't get flattened. And now I'm like, well, how else do we get to herd immunity? We got to wait for a vaccine or enough people have to get sick. And I think you add those numbers together. Again, I'm not a virologist. I'm not a, what, an epidemiologist. I, I'm not an expert in the field, not a scientist. However, I think once you get sick, then you have the antibodies, right? You, you, you have had it, and so you are unlikely to get it again. And I know there are stories of people who get it again. But there are also stories of people who have the vaccine, uh, vaccination who also get sick. They catch COVID even though they got vaccinated. So if the purpose is to get everybody with immunity via vaccine and uh, having recovered from COVID, why aren't we adding these numbers together? What's up with that? Why not add the numbers together? Am I to believe then that there's some problem with the case counting that occurred at the beginning of the pandemic and throughout the pandemic when we were using PCR tests, which, by the way, now people are like, oh, I'm not so sure the PCR tests are the best way to go with this stuff. Maybe we should stop using PCR tests, which, by the way, I would support that as well. If you could take the antibody test like we, I was on this morning with Bo Thompson. Thank you, Bo, for letting me uh, come on with you this morning and talking with Bo and uh, Jim Zoki and, you know, this golfer. John Rahm, is that his name? I'm not a golfer. I don't follow golf at all, uh, so I apologize if I mess up any golf lingo or names. But this guy apparently, uh, like, he lost out on some big purse that he could have won, like, million-plus dollars before because he got COVID, or tested positive, I should say. And now he's, like, booted from the Olympics because he tested positive. And this guy's been vaccinated. So if he's already, like, why, all right, first off, if you've been vaccinated, why are you testing positive? And why are you testing positive twice? Is it possible he's getting positive results because he got vaccinated? Why are we kicking him out of these tournaments if he got the vaccine? Unless, of course, you're telling me that the vaccine doesn't work. I, I'm like, I'm trying to give everybody, the experts here, sort of the benefit of the doubt. But this isn't making logical sense to me. And by the way, as I have said before, full disclosure, I am vaccinated. I got the vaccine because I care. <laughs> I'm just... No, I got the vaccine. And, like, I'm willing to do that. I can go into my thought process on all of that. But I got the vaccine. But now I'm wondering, like, did I make a mistake? Am I the fool? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I just had to check. This is not a Rolling Stones song. It does sound like a Rolling Stones song. This is the Black it, Keys. It's the Black Keys, right. But it's not a Rolling Stones song. I just wanted to confirm because it kind of did sound like... The reason why that's important is because the Rolling Stones have announced that they're doing another concert uh, tour called the No Filter Tour. 
And uh, it's going to be in Charlotte on September 30th at Bank of America Stadium. And we'll have a chance to win tickets today during the show because I have found the best way to get people to listen to me is to bribe them. And so uh, you can listen uh, every day uh, from noon to three. And when you hear the song, Start Me Up by the Stones, it was not that. But when you hear that song, then you want to be caller 11 at 704-570-1110. And then you'll pick up a pair of tickets to the Rolling Stones show at Bank of America Stadium, September 30th. So stay tuned for that. All right, let's uh, head on over to the phone lines at 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. And we'll start off here with Pete, one of my favorite names. Hey, Pete, welcome to the show. No, you're Eric. Is this Eric? Yeah, this is Eric. Eric, I'm sorry. Not well, it's, it's it's a good name. It's not like on my top ten, but it's just still a good name. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. <laughs> uh, look, I just wanted to say congrats on the uh, on the new show. Welcome back to WBT. It's been too long. Well, thank you. My my question is: Do you want to? Are you going to continue to focus on the local and state uh, with the new show? Or are you going to drift back and forth between local and national issues? And then my second question, where do you see AM radio going now that, that Rush is off? Uh, do you see a lot of stations like WBT who used to carry Rush going to a different format? How do you see, uh, how do you see the, the format developing? So uh, just for a way uh, or by way, uh, to explain sort of my concept for the show, it's just going to be, I think, what I have done. I think it's been successful. Um, and it is local, it's state, and it's national. But look, it's all going to be informed, right, by our North Carolina and a, a, a local Charlotte and even Western North Carolina kind of perspective. That's just where we are. And I think, um, and what that means is everybody else who obviously has come here. That's that's what informs us. But yeah, I'm going to focus on local. I'm going to focus on state because that's that that's what sets us apart. We are part of obviously the national discourse. Where you know. We're a fast-growing state. We've got a lot of people, what, now approaching 11 million people. We're a swing state. We're going to have a lot of attention. So we have to pay attention to the national stuff, too. Does that answer the question? Yeah. I just really hope you continue to do what you used to do at the 10 o'clock slot and, and you know, hold the local politicians accountable. We've, we've missed that. So what else have I missed in the last decade? <laughs> Uh, how, how long <laughs> well let me ask it this way have you been around, have you been here for the last well i guess you have because if you remember me from before so um then what uh what do you think of the biggest sort of shifts i know that the the city and the county have gone you know bluer i i have i have been reading up on some of the most recent history so i do know that i know some of the some of the same players they're still involved but uh i've noticed the drift uh what else uh, I mean, I would say just some some issues right now. Obviously, I'm, I'm in Huntersville, so I focus in Huntersville. But uh, some of the issues that the Charlotte City Council is taking on, like the 2040 plan, mm-hmm. uh, whether or not to, to give money to the Panthers, things like that still have an impact throughout the county. And um, I know those are issues that a lot of people outside of Charlotte are interested in. Oh, yeah. I did... Uh... I did. I did kind of like rub my hands together when I saw. Oh, good! Another public funding of a sports facility debate that I get to be a part of. Because <laughs> I didn't yeah. get enough. I, I didn't have enough fun with the arena debate and with the save the Charlotte Hornets debate. Right? I didn't have enough 
uh, going uh, enough fun with those topics. And so we'll get to do it again, I guess. It seems like, right? That's what it seems like, that the Panthers are going to want some public funding for this stadium, unlike, I think, the last time, right, where they funded it all with the PSLs and then the city and state kicked in some infrastructure. Yeah, I think that's right. I think you're going to be able to dust off those old public-private financing arguments <laughs> and why it's ever a good idea for the public to finance uh, sports stadiums. Yeah. Uh, and then what was your other question? Oh, the future of AM radio. Uh, it is, uh, and I think I am contractually obligated to say this, uh, it is here on WBT. That's where it's going to happen. So, right. Um, I think that that is uh, a question that a lot of radio stations are going to have to deal with on their own and nobody i don't i said this a couple different ways in different times but nobody really knows for sure because literally the industry got built you know by rush limbaugh and around rush limbaugh so everybody's you know kind of on their own to some extent and uh i've always been a believer in local talk and so this and so i'm, I'm like really happy to be back here to do it and i think bt's got the right idea uh to service the Charlotte market. I, I I do. I like I I'm that's why I that's why I wanted to come back here and do this because it, it, it seems to me like the right move for radio. All right, Pete. All right, Eric, thanks. Back. All right, man. I appreciate the call. Thanks so much. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. It's sort of a it's not an ask me anything, it's an ask me almost anything. All right? Because there are some limits to things that I'm not going to discuss. Like like zipper merging. I'm not going to discuss it today. I know a lot of people. They're like they really love to like get my thoughts on the zipper merge, but not today. I don't think today is the appropriate time to uh, handle the zipper merge topic. It's for another day. But like other topics, you know, will I'm totally free to engage in. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. I got a tweet from Eric asking if there is a window in the studio. There is indeed. There are, there's a whole row of windows. And then there are two two more on the other wall right there, so I can see the hallway as well. And uh, Jay, welcome to the show. Hello, Jay. I'm sorry, you said you are not going to talk about something called the zipper. I just want to know what that was so I could Google it and find out what you're not going to talk about. <laughs> well, now, Jay, if I told you, then I would be talking about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's the zipper merge. Zipper merge. Okay. Yeah, zipper merge. It's, a, it's the most effective and efficient way to merge in traffic. Okay. Well, and I'm on a personal crusade. Yeah, no, I'm on a personal crusade to get everybody to adopt the zipper merge, but the problem is, see, as soon as I start, to, uh, as soon as I start talking about it, I, I get, uh, you know, I get people that want to, you know, proselytize against the zipper merge, and then you know the whole thing gets derailed. So okay, all right, but well, you can look you. it up. There, I think there's actually a website, zippermerge.com. Will do. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Jay. I appreciate it. See, so now even if I get him, if Jay now becomes a zipper merger, then. Like my work here is done. It will have all been for that. That's it. That's all I'm. That's all I'm going for. All right. My for folks who are interested, I will uh, tell you. I and I don't even know what my label is anymore. And being in media, that's what we do. We label people. 
you know what I'm talking about. You see the TV news and they got some person up there and it's like, oh, we talked to, you know, Pete Callender here. And they got like a label underneath my name, right? You know, witness, neighbor, you know, person, whatever. And they got like a, a, a label there. That's what we do. So politically speaking, all of the, the tests that, you know, chart out where you are on the political spectrum, I am always towards libertarianism, towards uh, limited government. I'm always on that end of the spectrum, whether you look at it like a line from left to right, whether you look at it like a crosshairs, you know, the X and Y axis, whatever. However you look at that, I am always in that vicinity of conservative, libertarian, sometimes darn near anarchist. No, I'm kidding. But uh, over on that end of the spectrum, I, I like the term conservatarian. I think it's a pretty decent term because I am not a capital L libertarian. I've described myself for years as a lowercase l libertarian because there are things there are things that the capital L libertarian folks believe in, and I just I can't get on board with it. I just I can't get on board with some of the stuff. So that being said, there is always a tension in libertarianism with public health matters when it comes to this kind of stuff stuff like the vaccines and pandemics and such, right? There's always, there's always this tension about how far is too far. Do you go in mandating some of these things? Right. Um, because a lot of the philosophy requires people to, you know, behave in rational ways and people are not rational. Like when you look around, <laughs> when you look around and you see the way people are behaving pro and con on like all of these things, like so many people have lost their minds. Like it seems recently it does. It seems like people have like more recently lost their minds about a lot of this stuff. So uh, this is where I'm kind of like, I'm not so sure I'm trying to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. I don't want to tell people like you can't come in here with the, you know, unless you have papers like that. I do not like, I do not like the creation of some sort of a second class, you know, citizen based on health status and papers and, passports and all of that. I'm not on board with that, but I can see it coming. I absolutely can see it coming. Governor Cooper built a backbone for it to occur. And we called him out when he did it. And he's denying, oh, I'm not doing a passport. I'm not doing a passport. No, you just created an entire database to allow the passport to exist. And then you just turn, you, you, you let the, uh, the private sector implement those standards based on data that you helpfully provide. So you're not technically building the passport backbone or the passport system. You just built the backbone that allows the passport to be built. See, and then, and then he gets up there. No, but none of the media call him out on this, of course, just like none of the media call him out on how come you don't include people who got sick from COVID and recovered. Nobody called. Nobody says anything to him about that. What about all the natural immunity people? Why don't we count them? There's like a million of them in this state. There's like a million people that have recovered from COVID. That's based on the data that DHHS has provided to us on the dashboard, right? They say that a million people have caught COVID. That's the case count. So are you telling me that we can't believe your data that told us that a million people got COVID and recovered? They would have the antibodies. Wouldn't they be part of the, um, the immune population? What I mean, I'm just asking questions here. Like, I'm just a radio guy. What do I know? And podcaster. Uh, let me go over here to... Ted. Hello, Ted. Welcome to the show. Ted. 
Hey, this is Ed. Yeah. Oh, Ed. A, a quick question yes. on what you just talked about. Is it is an almost anarchist a, uh, a rational person? Is I'm sorry, is who? Is an almost anarchist, like you said, that's who you're almost oh. anarchist, a rational person? <laughs> well, that was a joke. <laughs> I know. Anyway, uh, I'm new to Charlotte. Just want to know, uh, you said you're a local, local guy. What is the political and economic uh, makeup of Charlotte? Uh, political, I believe the technical term is basket case. No, I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, it's thank you. Thank you. No, it's by the way, people ask, why do you use the rim shot? It's because we all sound 52% funny. Well, I sound 52% funnier. You might not because you're not a professional, but, um, the, uh, the, the city council is you talking about the city council and county commission. It's predominantly Democrat now. Um, now I am recently returned to Charlotte. I have been, in Asheville, which is, in fact, technically a basket case, I've been up there for the last nine years. Where are okay. you from, Ted? Where are you from? I can tell by my accent where I'm from, can't you? Well, I, I can probably determine the area. I'm thinking the north. <laughs> Jersey. From Jersey. Uh, you want to hear yeah. my Jersey joke? I love to hear your Jersey All joke, right. Do you know why New Yorkers have such bad attitudes? It's because... The light at the end of the tunnel is New Jersey. Oh, I, this, okay, I got you. Now, I would point well, out, said, it, it, it goes the other way. Democrat, you must mean that they're progressive and they're liberal. Is that what you're saying? Well, so, yeah, I mean, in North Carolina, that has been changing. Uh, you've got a lot of people that were, I mean, North Carolina was run by Democrats for over a century and a half. And so uh, there, are still a lot, there are still a good bit of what are called blue dog Democrats that are more conservative um, and a lot of them are kind of left in the uh, western part of the state where I just came from. Uh, there are still okay. a good bit of them, and they've just been registered Democrats their whole lives, but they don't vote Democrats so much anymore, right? Um, and so you still okay. have a good portion of them. Uh, you have a lot of uh, right-leaning unaffiliateds, because in North Carolina you can register as an unaffiliated, which I am, which means you can vote in either party's primary. You can pick. All right. Every election cycle, you can choose a different primary to vote in. Then sometimes I've walked in in Charlotte and said, surprise me when they ask me what ballot I want. Um, I appreciate the call. Uh, I'll go into a little bit more of this. <laughs> is this the Rolling Stones? This is not the Rolling Stones. Who's this? I hate you, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> this is Black Keys black again. <laughs> I just do it because <laughs> I just ask him to do it because I know that there's this second, it's like a brief moment when there's this self-doubt. It's like half a second, and it it creates this surge of panic and anxiety in any board op or radio person when you say, is this the right thing? Like, huh, what? That's all. All right. I know I'm kind of like that sometimes. News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. The reason why I ask if it's the Rolling Stones, because we're giving away a pair of tickets to uh, their show coming up in September 30th, but you got to listen for the Rolling Stones song, Start Me Up. It's going to happen sometime in the program today. Right now, we're going to talk to Mike. He has called in on the line, and uh, hello, Mike. How are you? Mike. Hey, Pete. Hey, do you have your rim shot ready? Well, I'm encountering some audio technical difficulties, so I am relying on the board up. And considering what I just did to Ryan, producer Ryan, by making him think he was playing the wrong song, I'm not sure he's going to play the rim shots at the appropriate time for me. So we'll see. Okay, well, forewarned is forearmed. So, Pete, I had COVID 
uh, last August, the last half of August, happily, pretty mild symptoms. And I had tests in January and again then in May to confirm that I have the antibodies for COVID. Mm. So I identify as vaccinated. <laughs> and I think I have a lot stronger case to identify as vaccinated than those who identify as a gender different than what they had at birth. Well, so here's the thing, too. When people at the very beginning of the pandemic, and I have a friend that th- that uh, actually had this occur, where he felt terrible and he was, you know, coughing and he had like all the symptoms. He lost his sense of taste and smell and all this. And he, uh, they were not, remember at the very beginning, they closed all the hospitals and everything was closed, right? You couldn't go, it, you couldn't yeah. even go to the doctor to get uh, diagnosed. And so they were, as they did him, they diagnosed him via Zoom call or something, right? And uh, he never went to the hospital. They told him, you know, just basically hang out for two weeks. And if you die, that's going to stink. But uh, if you can make it to the hospital, if you feel bad, uh, maybe you'll survive. Like that was kind of the advice he got. And he recovered. But um, that was a that was considered to be a covid diagnosis. And I'm kind of like wondering now how many people are we talking about at the very beginning of the pandemic that had symptoms for something that was diagnosed as COVID, but actually wasn't. And that, because those numbers might be in the case counts in some of these tallies. I don't know. So I'm just kind of like, it seems like what they wanted us to believe were accurate data at the beginning. They seem to be undermining their argument now because they're saying, even if you got COVID, you should get the vaccine. Which I'm what isn't the vaccine a replication of COVID? So if you had the real deal, wouldn't that be a better protective uh, antibody than the mRNA from the from the vaccinations? Well, actually, Pete, I went ahead and got the vaccination anyway. Ah, overachiever. Uh, a little I hear later, you. I identified as vaccinated for a while, <laughs> and I did it because you my had doctor you had vaccination me. confirmation. Uh, you had a uh, procedure. You had a vaccination confirmation procedure. No, I actually got vaccinated. Yeah, I got vaccinated. And <laughs> I did it because my doctor made it very clear that all the information he had, not the hysteria and the fear mongering, but yeah. the information he had was that the vaccination provides better immunity than uh, having just had the disease. And it has something to do with uh, kind of a quantity thing of how how severe your case was, what ah. kind of viral load you had. So I would, did go ahead and get it, but you know, again, I identified as vaccinated for a while. For a while before that, well, then you just got the confirmation procedure to I confirm your status it. as vaccinated. Right, that's all. Yep. Yeah, I got yeah. you, Mike. I appreciate it. That's good information. So the viral load, if you didn't get really really sick, then the vaccine would give you a better immunity than a mild form of the COVID. That's interesting. I uh, had not considered that. Let's go to Joe on line one. Hello, Joe. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Pete. Great to talk to you. Well, great. Thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm just wondering, what do you know? And I know you probably, anybody would know you would. Yeah. What's the, uh, do we have those Dominion uh, voting machines in North Carolina? Do we have the Dominion? Well, North Carolina, well, North Carolina's got a bunch of different systems depending on what counties you're in. And I haven't been in Mecklenburg County voting for a while, so I don't know. I thought Mecklenburg had, what was it, like ES&S or something like that? Is that the name of the company? It's been, yeah, I mean, it's been 15 years since I sat through a board of elections meeting where they determined uh, election machines. I thought it was election systems and something or other. 
Well, I got another question. All right. It's real important. Okay. You know, they're talking about all these voter ID laws. They are. Well, we passed it in North Carolina. We did. And a federal judge overturned it. Mm -hmm. And so the last election, we didn't have to show voter ID. Has that ever been corrected? All of your information is accurate. And the last election that we had, we did not have voter ID. It is still in the courts. There was a there was a hearing about it a couple of, uh, well, I guess now probably uh, about two months ago. And the uh, plaintiffs in the case, the litigants that are suing the NAACP, North Carolina chapter, I think the League of Women Voters is in on that. They brought as one of their, quote, star witnesses, a woman named Carol Anderson, who is a professor, I want to say at Emory University. Forgive me if I get any of these details wrong because it's i'm just off the top of my head here i'm just remembering from like a couple months ago but she was the she's the academic who posits that there is white rage and um that's what's motivating the voter id laws is white rage and when uh on cross-examination she was asked uh whether or not she knew the um well actually came out in the deposition whether she knew that a a black democrat had actually co-sponsored the bill. She said she was not aware of that. And then in cross-examination, she said, well, actually, um, black people are able to experience white rage themselves. They can be white ragey uh, as well. And this apparently was applied to State Senator uh, Joel Ford from Mecklenburg County. He was the the senator who uh, co-sponsored that bill. But no, it's still in the court system. There was recently another ruling on the uh, uh, voter ID and North Carolina's law is the most relaxed when it comes to voter ID laws, so there's really no reason why it should not be uh, cleared by the courts at this point. And uh, honestly, now we've heard from some of these Democrats that have been anti-voter ID laws all this time, and now they're like, oh, let's let's look at the Joe Manchin compromise proposal on the uh, election overhaul bill, and part of that was voter ID law, and they all of a sudden are now saying, well, you know— We've never really been against voter ID per se. It's just been, you know, every single version of the Republican voter ID law ever drafted in every state. That's all. It's just the way they've been drafted. They're not against the concept. They're just uh, you know, against every single iteration of the concept, if that's not clear for you. Okay, but where are these judges? And, you know, because to me, this is unconstitutional. They can just turn around at a flipping as can be. Oh, we're denying that. We're denying that law. We're overturning it. I mean, it's, it's if if Texas ever gets it passed, then they can turn around and do an injunction, do what they did to us, and basically make all this effort for naught. So, yeah, I I share your frustration with the court system, and I appreciate the call, Joe. I share your frustration with the court system. It's why sometimes I refer to some judges as lawyers in robes. And maybe that's a little bit too dismissive, but honestly, it's sometimes I get a little frustrated with interpretations that stretch the boundaries of logic and law. In my opinion, like, but what do I know? I do know that news is coming up next on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. 
The Pete Callender Show. I will accept a 3D scan of your face in lieu of the foot mold. You're not getting my foot in a mold so then people can be like, ooh, I'm cutting open Pete Callender's foot, and then I'm going to feel it like a voodoo doll. I know how this works. That's Led Zeppelin, not the Rolling Stones right there. Stop saying those Seven. words. <laughs> 704 1-800-WBT-1110. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, the Rolling Stones, by the way, they are coming to town. They're coming to Charlotte on September 30th. We're going to give away a pair of tickets at some point during the program. I am bribing you to listen. I got to tell you, I wasn't sure. I just guessed at, uh, was it Joe's question about the voting machines that we have in North Carolina and I said I didn't remember, but there are different, you know, machines and methods all over the state. There are uh, parts of the state still run the paper ballots, you know. And I just guessed. I said ESNS. I think that's the name of the company. I can't really be uh, uh, be too sure because it was like 15 years ago. It was like 20 years ago, actually. I just gotta say, I am impressed because I drink a lot of coffee. And I heard today on the news, Mark Garrison was saying that if you drink coffee. Apparently it kills your memory. It now now they're saying it's bad for your memory. And so that means like I am so screwed. But it, it apparently isn't working on me yet because I remember it was it's true. Mecklenburg County runs the ESNS. So thank you Andy uh who heard that and sent me the uh the North Carolina State Board of Elections uh website info. He says uh which the the Board of Elections says ESNS that's the one of the company's election systems and software. We have that, I believe, in Mecklenburg County. That's what I remember. There are also Clear Ballot and Heart InterCivic. Those are the <laughs> those are the machines. I do not see, yeah, I don't see Dominion or Diebold or Diebold. Did we ever get clarity on how do we pronounce that? Diebold or Diebold? I don't recall if there was ever a consensus there. Uh, Michael says in a tweet, Pete, good luck with your first show. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. And Monica says, um, I like minarchist. So not anarchist, but minarchist. So like minimum government, but not quite. Look, here's the thing about anarchists. I've said this for years. They're not really anarchists. When you encounter a real anarchist, they tend to be more towards like the libertarian side of things. The people who run around LARPing as anarch, I call them LARPers, which is live action role players, you know, you've seen them. You know what I'm talking about? The people who are like, these are the folks that like go to the, you know, the park and they dress up as knights and such. And they like, they do the faux battles and stuff, live action role players. Anyway, LARPer anarchists. They're not actually anarchists. They're just pretending to be them. They're, they're, it's a live-action role-play for them. They're actually like communists, right? They're actually big government people. They're not no-government people. They're temporary anarchists. They just want nothing for a little bit of time, so then they can put some systems in place that they assume they'll be in charge of, that they'll have some influence over. That's just been my experience, my dealings and observations of the uh, the anarchist community, if you will. Can you have an anarchist community? Now that I think about that, that does seem kind of contradictory, doesn't it? An anarchist community. Well, I guess you could as long as you don't organize it. Yeah. 
Pablo, welcome to the show. Hello, Pablo. Hello. What is going on? Pete. Yes, sir. Doing good. Doing good, Pete. First time, long time. Thank you. So, you sound I listen native. to all these shows, you know, Fox, all these people, blah, blah, blah. And they talk about, you know, uh, the Republicans, they say something right away, the Dems are attacking them. Why is it that when a Democrat says something, everybody keeps quiet? They can say whatever they want, nobody talks about it. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. So, I think... Up listen to you. Right, so uh, uh, are you from Charlotte? You sound like you're from Charlotte. Oh, he left. <laughs> I was just kind of key hung up. I was just kind of curious. Now he sounds like he was from, uh, I'm originally from New York. I get to make all of the Yankee jokes that I want. That's just the rule. I can make as many of these jokes as I want because I'm originally from New York. I came down here as fast as I could. As soon as I got out of high school, I uh, came down here. I went to Winthrop University in Rock Hill. And uh, uh, and I never went back. Well, I went back one summer where I valet parked cars for a summer. But that's it. And I drove the, the bus for the day camp. It was one summer. I worked two jobs. Anyway, um, why do Democrats get to say whatever they want and the media doesn't really care? And doesn't get the coverage when a Republican says something. That is because it is very difficult to criticize your allies, especially when you are in the trenches of a culture war. Right. It's it's just more difficult because you realize you need as many soldiers in the battle as possible. So you don't want to pick on your own guys, your own comrades, uh, because, you know, you're going to need the bodies. And the more people you start picking off, trying to hold them to standards that you're demanding of your opponents, if you start, you know, decimating your own ranks, you're going to make it easier for your for your opponents to win. And you don't want that. And that's why. And you can read here. I mean, the, the logic. Oops. The uh, sorry, I just hit the microphone. That's going to take a while. This is a new microphone system. I apologize if I hit the mic. I bumped into it like two or three times already. It's just I was used to the mics that come in from the top, you know, and these come up from the bottom. It's, a, it's like I'm in upside down world. Anyway, um, I think that uh, the logical conclusion here is pretty obvious. Most media people are of the left. That's not all of them. And uh, I, I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, but when you start viewing the media, and by the media, I mean, generally speaking, people who are engaged in journalism for, uh, for corporate media newsrooms, they just, they tend to be of the left. They tend to lean that way. They are Democrats with bylines. Some of them are. Some of them, and I'm not going to name names, but I will over the course of my tenure here, of course, because I have before. But some of them, when I read their pieces, I will tell you as I read the piece, because generally when I bring to you an article, I tell you who wrote it and I tell you where you can find it at their website. And I'll give you quotes from it because who writes the article is really important because every reporter is their own individual. They're all different. And some of them are terrible (laughs) and some of them are good. Some of them are good. Just like you hear in like on This is why I love radio, too, right? On our news reports, what do you always hear? You hear the reporter's name. Exactly. They they tell you who they are. And so you know, is that a good report? I like that reporter. But in in, um, print, you have to read the byline. And a lot of times when people pick up print articles, read them on radio or read them uh, on, on TV or on Facebook or something, they don't bring the byline over. The byline's important. So that's why I always try to include it.
News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Pete Callender here, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Is that the Rolling Stones? That's not the Rolling Stones. <laughs> Just kidding. All right, I actually did have some show prep uh, uh, for today, as is always the case. I always have too much show prep. Anyway, Vaccinated America has had enough. This is the headline in a piece in The Atlantic by David Frum. He says, in the United States, this pandemic could have been over by now and certainly would have been by Labor Day. I'm not so sure that's the case. I, I don't like people who make predictions and are so certain about predictions. I'm always skeptical of. That's why. I mean, it's like it's like weather guys. You can never be, you know. I get it. Look, I get it. I'm in news. They're in weather like they're predicting the future. I'm telling you stuff that already happened. I get it. It's a different skill set. I'm just always wary of people who say I'm going to make a prediction about what's going to happen and I am sure this is going to happen. If the pace of the vaccination through the summer had been anything like the pace in April and May, the country would be nearing herd immunity. With most adults immunized, New and more infectious coronavirus variants would have nowhere to spread. Life could return nearly to normal. I, I, I'm, I'm not so sure that's the case. What have we been hearing that like people who have had COVID, people who have had the vaccinations, like that golfer guy, right? They're still getting it and and transmitting it, right? So, why should like honestly, why am I worried about new cases? Uh, if it's not overwhelming the system, if we're not seeing spikes in uh, lethality and the number, you know, the case fatality uh, rate, the CFR, if we're not seeing these types of increases too, then I'm not so sure why I need to be terrified at an increasing case count due to a more contagious version of the virus because viruses um, generally follow a pattern, which is they become more contagious but less deadly so if that's the case with this virus why why should i be so scared i know i know if you're not scared media is not doing its job i get that look here's the classic example and by the way i did see another story a couple of days ago somebody i think uh, my wife christy sent me a, a link to this uh there's another article about west nile virus the west nile virus is here and like to me, the classic example was when West Nile virus first arrived in America. It came uh, either before or right after a really severe drought in Charlotte. Like people, like I remember, this was probably this was uh, would have been oh five oh six time frame because I remember we were at our uh, house in uh, East Charlotte off of uh, Eastway Drive, and uh, we were filling up buckets of water in the shower. Before, like, the water gets hot, you would put the bucket in there and you would fill it up so you would save as much water as possible and then take that water and dump it in the garden. And they were like, well, you can't do that. We have uh, laws against gray water use in gardens, whatever. So they had to change the law. Anyway, the point to that is that right after, say, we're, oh, we're all going to die because of the drought. Then right after that, it's like, yeah, hey, we got rain. But now you got to watch out for the West Nile virus. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, is everything terrible? Everything always is going to kill us. Come on. Although life is a race against death that we all eventually lose. So that is true. Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Brian, how are you? Hey, good. What's up? Oh, anything over 5'11". Welcome to BT, by Thank the way. Thank you. Glad appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it. 
Hey, what happened to flu and colds and strep? They're classifying everything as COVID, man. Come on, for, for financial incentive, we're not that stupid, and they're playing us like we are. I mean, the data from Israel shows that just uh, absolutely that uh, the vaccinated people are in the hospital with COVID more so than the unvaccinated people because Israel is primarily vaccinated. They're right. Well, it's not there. that the problem is you don't hear it on media. Right. Well, I have and you have. So I we both have heard okay. that. Right. So so there is media that is reporting it. So I would recommend people. Yes. Like try to find a diversity of media sources. Um, you should always get your news from multiple sources, because like you said, some are not going to cover what you just described. And I'm glad you pointed out that there that the 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 difference is due to. The fact that, what is it, like 82% of Israelis are now vaccinated, I want to say. And so, yes, the the vast majority of people that are showing up in the hospitals with the uh, uh, with cases of COVID, they have the vaccine. But that's because 82% of Israelis have the vaccine. Um, in America, most people don't have the vaccine. So most people showing up in the hospitals are not vaccinated because that's the that's the ratio, yeah. right? I don't, I don't know if I buy that. When the testing is flawed, they're getting rid of the PCR testing. Carrie Mullis, the inventor of the PCR test, uh, admitted that you can make it show whatever you want it to show. That's due to the cycle, thre- yeah, the cycle thresholds, yeah. So, I, you know, I don't buy it, man. I, I just, just think it's, it's, it's evil. What's, wait, what's it, evil? Right, so, what, wait, what's, when you said it's evil, what is the it? That is evil. Whatever is going on here, I don't think we're in the middle of a pandemic. People are not sick. Hospitals are not jammed. I talked to a guy a couple weeks ago whose wife's an RN, and he said she's threatened for her job. She can't say a word. But there's, they're not overcrowded. They're, they have room in their hospital. Well, that so, but part of that is because the cycle of the I mean, the, we are now at a much lower level of infection than we were, you know, seven months ago, eight months ago. Right. The, you, you cannot deny. Or, or let me ask you, do you deny that covid actually exists, the, the coronavirus COV2? Do you think SARS-CoV-2? Do you think that doesn't even exist? I think there's a virus. I think, in fact, there are thousands of viruses. It's possible it was leaked from the Wuhan laboratory. I think it was uh, tweaked, some kind of a okay. You know, well that's thing, fine. Right, right. So I just want to know, people, but you, so you believe that it does exist? No, go ahead. Right. So you believe it exists? I think it exists, but I think our immune systems are mostly, aside from comorbidities and pre-existing conditions, our immune systems with the right food and exercise, are more than capable of handling not only COVID, but also the variant. Yeah, well, I'm screwed then. But, um, <laughs> well, but honestly, though, like, to your point, um, and I appreciate the call, uh, Brian, to your point, though, all of that stuff is preventive. That should have been done before, and we could do a big education campaign to get people healthier now, but that doesn't help the people who are not healthy now and have the comorbidities now so i believe it exists i believe that we want to get to herd immunity and i think the vaccines help us get there more rapidly that's my take
News Talk 1110-993 WBT. Who was that? Was that fun? Yeah. That's weird. It's like I'm not I'm it's like I'm missing a channel or something. Oh no, this is is that the interlude part? I don't know. Sorry. That's fun. It's the name of the band. I like that song. 704-570-1110. That's not the Rolling Stones, though. Not even you wouldn't even Stop like it. you wouldn't even think it's the same band. One eight hundred WBT eleven ten. And let me head over here to David. Hello, David. Welcome to the show. What is up? Hello. Good afternoon. I just had a comment regarding this with the, of course, vaccinations, and that is everybody is flipping out over this thing, and yet. You know, remember history for crying out loud. We had the same thing back with the polio epidemic back in the 50s where you had people didn't do anything for the summer. Schools were closed. Churches were closed. Everything else. They got a vaccination. They made it mandatory. Your kids and everything before they can go to school every freaking year has to have measles, mumps, and rubella as a requirement or else they don't go to school. And then this year... People are paranoid that it's got some sort of chip or something like that in it. It doesn't. It's a, it's a, I forget, an RDNA something. It's a, it affects that, but it's not the actual virus. It's the- I went ahead and got it because my, my son had to get it for college. My wife got it. I got it because I'm, in, I'm uh, active with the Guard, and they didn't make it mandatory. But I anticipate, I know good and well, they're going to end up probably this fall with everything that's going on, saying, well, you can't go, you can't participate, you can't do this if you have not been vaccinated. Mm -hmm. And the biggest thing people need to fear is not this vaccination stuff and everything else. They're afraid somebody's going to track them and follow them. Look at your credit card, your bank card, and your phone. So I don't think... All right, so so I think, Alec, there were a lot... I'm not sure I heard this idea that it was tracking people, that there were chips in the shot and all that. I never saw that as um, as a widespread conspiracy theory, and maybe I'm just okay. mistaken on that. I never saw that as, uh, like, I saw people mocking that idea. I never saw it as a real legitimate thing. People saying, oh, my gosh, you know, if you get this shot, uh, then that means they're going to track you. Because we all know it's not the, it's not the shot. It, it's the second shot. It was the... It was the sh- the second shot. It has the right. chip in it, right? Yeah, maybe I'm I'm wrong. It could be. It's not that massive hysteria <laughs> thing, but of course, with the shot itself, no. it's just you know, people come on, get you know, we have we've had this before. In right. Okay, but hang on a second. So you have yeah. made the assessment that the risk of any side effects of the vaccine, and we can both agree, and I'm vaccinated as well. I made the same decision that you did, but you can agree with me that. Uh, it is relatively untested, right? There have been some tests, and look, we're part of the trial now, right? We are all that, Correct. right? We're part of this trial. We made that decision, right? And so, um, uh, that the risks that we determined to be uh, from the vaccine were lower than the risks of contracting COVID, right? Correct. Otherwise, why would you do it, right? Now, there are also, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, just also remember now, the polio shots, when they first came out there in the late 50s or so, those people were also guinea pigs. That right. one virus did do damage. The uh, I mean, one vaccination did do damage. The other one was the one they adopted. So right. we're going through the same thing all over again. Right. And so, so there are other people, though, that have done a risk assessment and have come to a different conclusion. They've assessed that the risk of contracting and dying from COVID 
is lower than the risk of uh, having complications from the uh, from the the vaccine. And they are also concerned about uh, the nature of the development of the vaccine. They are concerned about uh, whether the vaccine is what it purports to be and the people who are behind it. Right. And there there are conspiracies about all of that. I'm not sure about the chip side of things, but there are people who have all sorts of ideas about how the vaccine was developed. And I would also point out there's a very large population that nobody ever talks about their vaccine hesitancy, really. And that is the African-American population. It's like 80 to 90 percent of black citizens are not vaccinated. It's like the lowest portion of the uh, vaccinated public by demographic breakdown, by race. Whites are way above all of the other groups. Um, And the reason we hear for that is because of, you know, past government experiments and such, and they have a natural hesitancy against government. Well, so do conservatives for the very same reasons, by the way. Right. They don't trust government either. (laughs) So um, I don't find that to be a particularly uh, less persuasive argument when it applies to white people than black people, because they can both fear the government for those very same reasons. Um, Right. So. You've made a different risk assessment than and uh, than, than others. Like we both have come down on that uh, on that same determination. So, do you think then, because people make those different determinations, that they should then be uh, excluded from society because we are protected? We have the vaccine. I don't think they should, and that's what I think is so unfair. And I'm agreeing. I think I'm agreeing with you in the fact that this should not be a mandatory thing. But it needs to be something where people takes it, I don't know, investigate it a little bit more further, determine whether or not they could do it. But I hate hearing how more and more governments or government agencies, things like that, are trying to say, well, it's a mandatory thing. Yeah. It's with my son going to college. They made it a mandatory. I won't state where, but they made it a mandatory thing where pretty much you quit or else you're like separated from society a little bit further because you have not been uh, vaccinated. Yeah. Well, in some colleges, you won't even be allowed uh, to attend if you're not vaccinated. And you are correct. There is obvious precedence for uh, the use of vaccinations for admittance to education establishments. Absolutely. And uh, there, and I know there are people that are objecting to that and I can join you in the objection, but I also recognize that this has been done before. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. I was just watching the women's handball. Is that what it's called? Or the water polo. Water polo. Yeah, women's water polo. It just looks exhausting. And the TV in the studio is on the Olympics all the time, which explains, I guess, probably half of their ratings. So I understand it. Not very good. I Look, I'm not into the Olympics. I only care about Olympics that uh, occur in even-numbered years. Odd-numbered Olympic years, I it's, they're, it's in, they're imposters. This like, is supposed to be 2020, though. It, it's not. This is 2021. I live in reality. This is 2021. You can put all the little signs everywhere that says 2020, uh, you know, to try to, you know, fake it. But it's it's 2021. So I don't actually I prefer Olympics that only have like five sports. 
Once they started adding all the sports, like the, really, it's like the jumping of the shark occurred with the skateboarding. When that happened, I'm like, I'm out. This is now no longer the Olympics. I got ideas on these things. All right, Linda, welcome to the show. How are you, Linda? I'm great. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I would like to input on uh, on a lawsuit that has been filed by attorney Tom Rents. Uh, he has a whistleblower from the CDC who has signed an affidavit, and she did a query on the VAERS reporting site. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, th- this person, which is anonymous, did a query for day one, day two, and day three of people who reported that they got a vaccine and they died. And there were over 45,000 just from those three days. So he's filing a lawsuit. Tom Rents is his name, attorney Tom Rents. Or is that rents as in like not buys, but rents, R-E-N-T-S? Yes, R-E-N. I think it's it could be T-Z or W-R-E-N-Z. Oh, okay. So there's a Z. All right. I'll look into it. Um, yeah. I saw Cheryl Atkinson had a big breakdown of the VAERS uh, data, and that information was not part of it. Yes. Well, this is this lawsuit was filed last Monday, mm-hmm. and Mr. Rents is a part of uh, a team of attorneys that left their practices, and they are helping people file lawsuits in many uh, aspects. Okay. Because... Evidently, uh, the um, Nuremberg Code is being broken, uh, violated, I should say. What is? So, and I, I have an email on it. If you would like me to send it to you, I'll be happy to do that. Uh, no, I generally never open anything that's forwarded. So I'll look into, but I'll look up this fellow. You got his name, Tom Rents, and lawsuit and VAERS, and so that should be enough for me to find it. Yes. All right. Please do, because that, that's part. That's just part of things that are coming to, to light. So you believe, so even though this lawsuit has been filed, nothing is proven, but you believe that, what, people are dying all over the place from the vaccine and it's not being reported? Correct. And you said 45,000 people died in the first two or three days, and three that's days not being reported. Which, which was reported, self-reported by people on theirs. Right. That's but, the vaccine accident reporting system. Right. And so you're but you don't think that that's being widely reported in media. And so what happened after the first two or three days? What do you think happened? Why are we seeing that number continue like forty five thousand every two or three days? Uh, I, I don't have an answer to that. Yeah. But uh, the, the lawsuit is it's wide ranging in what what the attorney mm-hmm. is. Uh, yeah. No, I'll, I'll look at, I'm just kind of curious, like, when you, so when you see the information, though, like, because my first question is, oh, my gosh, let's assume that's true for a second, uh, that yes. 45,000 people died. So that's 15,000 a day. So wouldn't we continue to see 15,000 people dying every single day? And the vaccines have been administered for now, what, seven months? I don't, I mean, I was told when I took this job that there would be no math involved. It was actually one of the contractual obligations no matter so i don't know what that works out to be but um it sounds like a lot i mean i think we'd probably be somewhere in the hundreds of thousands if not millions of dead people from the vaccine so do you have any 
thoughts about why we don't have those numbers, see those numbers? Uh, well, to my understanding, this was just uh, reporting for day one, day two, or day three of people who reported a death right. from the vaccine. And it's not like every day that was reported, but the people who who posted on their deaths from the vaccine, it was only queried for day one, two, and three. Not maybe a week later, mm-hmm. not maybe a month later, but just for those three days. Have there been any other queries for any other days? Not not to my knowledge that right. I have heard about. Okay. Uh, well, hey, I appreciate the call, Linda. Like I said, I'll check into it. But um, I got to tell you, I approach most of this stuff with skepticism. And I think that just, you know, I'm an Occam's razor kind of a guy. The most obvious explanation is usually the correct one. I think the reason why we're not seeing millions of deaths due to the vaccines is because there haven't been. Um, but, like, that's just my that's my default position. But I, I am definitely persuadable. I will look into it actually during the break. We'll see. How about Joyce? Welcome yeah. to the uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Joyce, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? I am well. We, yeah, we we listen to your show Thank all the you. time, and uh, just have a question. You had a gentleman caller a little bit ago that uh, called in, and he was telling that uh, back when the polio vaccine was out, that um, it was mandatory. Schools were closed. Um, you know, everything was shut down, and it was a mandatory vaccine. Uh, my husband and I and my cousins, we all lived through that uh, time, and my cousin, <clears throat> he actually had uh, polio, and it was in one of the um, machines back at that time. Mm. And we never, we never, none of us ever had the polio vaccine. We weren't mandated to have it, and we were going to school. So I'm not sure how old that caller is or if he it was, um, you know, experienced or living that in that era. But uh, a lot of what he said is not true. Hmm. So um, and we and we lived it. I mean, you know, my husband and I and my cousins, we all lived through that. Right. I have to admit here, I, I was not alive in the 50s. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, like I said, my cousin li- uh, lived through that. He yeah. had polio and, um, you know, no, it wasn't fun uh, for sure, but he lived and, um, you know, the, the rest of us did. And we never, we never had it, never had a vaccine. So and, what was the, can you tell me at the risk of asking the, what was the mood question, but what was the mood? Like, do you remember at all, because I don't know how young you were at the time, but do you remember, was it the same sort of panic that was going on then as it is now? I mean, no, not really. I mean, we, we were concerned mm-hmm. for my cousin, of course. Yeah. And, of course, all the family members were. But, um, no, I mean, my husband, uh, he had uh, three siblings, and none of them had the vaccine. I mean, if it was something that was so fearful back then, uh, then every one of us would have gotten it. And none of us did. So, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's people that did get the vaccine, but um, it sure, I mean, it wasn't mandated that everybody go through it. So, um, you know, that, that's all I, that's all yeah. I can remember. Yeah. I got you. Thank you, Joyce. I appreciate the Thank call. Thank you. All right. Thank take you. care. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. So I do, uh, like, I do recognize, though, that there are vaccines that are required, right, to go to school at government schools. Um, and you can't, yes, you can get exemptions, religious or 
otherwise, I guess, right, to get out of those if you want to. But um, no, I mean, there there are uh, there are requirements. And so it's not, as I said earlier, it's not unprecedented to require vaccinations. The Pete Callender Show. I will accept a 3D scan of your face in lieu of the foot mold. You're not getting my foot in a mold so then people can be like, ooh, I'm cutting open Pete Callender's foot, and then I'm going to feel it like a voodoo doll. I know how this works. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110-1800-WBT-1110. 1110. Thank you for the link from... Toasty on the Twitter machine. This is what that lady was talking about. The claim is that 45,000 people have died all time within three days of getting their shot. That's the claim that an anonymous person gave to this lawyer who is now suing to get more information. That's the claim that Grand total, 45,000 people have died all time and uh, from the vaccines and that they have all died within three days of getting their shot. This is from an anonymous whistleblower. So if your radar is not going off about, <laughs> look, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying you should approach this with skepticism. It is an anonymous person. Now think about this. If you are somebody inside the system, Right. And you're you have access to this information. You have a decision to make. You've come across this information. You have a decision to make. And your decision is, what do I do with this information to alert people? That the vaccines have killed 45,000 people. What do you do? You're the person on the inside. What do you do? Do you come forward anonymously? Try to give it to some lawyer named Thomas Renz, R-E-N-Z, an attorney based in Ohio. That's it. That's all I, I see. And he's, uh, that's it. he's suing. Uh, he was at an event hosted by Awaken America. And that's all I know about him right now. This is just limited research that uh, that I got off of the Twitter machine. It is very preliminary. But, like, again, I still have a lot of questions. Like, why, if you are somebody on the inside, why would you not come forward and say, hey, I work here. My name is Pete Callender. Look at me in my lab coat. I know what I'm talking about, and this is what's going on. And maybe they're afraid of repercussions and all that, but wouldn't, I mean, I think I could make a pretty compelling argument that this is really, really important to be named, right? If we didn't believe the stuff that was coming out from anonymous sources during the Trump administration, like I'm trying to hold a consistent standard here. Again, I am persuadable, but I'm just telling you, like, these are the these are sort of the, the questions I have before I would even entertain this as legitimate. All right, let me go over to the phones here and get some callers on. Terry, welcome to the show. Hello, Terry. How are you? Stop me up. Stop me up. Stop me up. I'll never stop. That does not count. Stop me up. That does not count, Terry. Stop me up. Stop me up. I'll never stop. Never stop. No. Never, never going to stop. All right. Well, if he's not going to stop, then, I, then all right, he's gone. Sorry, Terry. That does not count. You do not win the Rolling Stones tickets for that. Dean, welcome to the show. Hello, Dean. How are you? 
Pete. Good. Uh, it's nice to have local radio in the afternoon. I, we appreciate it. Well, thank you. We thank you, WBT, for uh, for making the slot available for a local host. But is this the HET recruiting thing? Or No, never mind. I don't have that. No. Um, hey, what I wanted to know is all these people are telling you about how, you know, they're not taking the vaccine and how good they are. In in lieu of being fair and balanced, mm. do you think we should, could bring on some of the people that haven't survived, that have died due to the COVID, that either maybe took or did not take it? I mean, it seems to be they don't have much of a voice. No, they don't, because they're dead. But uh, so, too, would uh, the people who are dead from the vaccines, right? They would also be in the same position. But I, 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 I take your point. I agree. But I am curious, do you think that the, oh, my gosh, look at all the dead people from COVID perspective is not represented in our media coverage right now? No, but, they're, but while we're an opinion-driven group of people and we're only getting one set of opinions, you know, not to make light of it, but from the living and not the dead. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter whether one person or a million people die from it. We're only going to hear caller after caller about how they, you know, haven't taken the vaccine and they're still strong and long. Well, no, I don't think so. I mean, we had a, we've had a couple callers that have said they've got vaccinated. I got, I mean, I've uh-huh. said, I've said repeatedly, I've been vaccinated as well. What did, I mean, because what, what, you're dealing with two different things, right? You, you got risk assessment, but then you also have um, this co- sort of shaming aspect to it. And that is driven by media coverage. And so we, we are inundated all the time with one perspective, one telling of that side of the story, right? I, I would submit. And that is that, Everybody needs to get vaccinated, and COVID is killing all you know hundreds of thousands of people and millions all around the world. And I believe that, by the way. And I'm not knocking that coverage, but that is the that is the vast majority of the coverage that we are getting. And so, when people come forward with the other perspective, like I'm I'm willing to hear them out because honestly, it's not a perspective that gets the mainstream coverage. Attention. And look, you can make an argument that the reason why we don't hear that is that there is an ethical um, uh, standard here that media is employing to say we don't think those types of stories will do the society good because it will give a false sense of balance that just as many people are dying from vaccines as they are from covid. And if you convince people of that, then they won't get vaccinated and then more people will actually die of covid. Right. So I, could, could, it, could it be sort of like the silent majority kind of thing? I mean, the, you yeah. know, obviously that doesn't really sell, and all of these other things do in that. So it just tends to stir people up, I guess. So uh, so you're always going to have you're always going to have the contrarian view, right? You're always going to have people mm-hmm. that uh, that resist and, and take a contrary view just because it's not the accepted status quo. You're always going to have that. And um, well, that's what we're being trained to do. I mean, who do you trust nowadays? Me, Nobody, I guess. Me. You trust me yeah. and WBT. See how I see you what I did w- there? See. Any order like you first? Or? <laughs> That's a good question. No. Uh, well, there's more There's more hosts than just me, so I'd say BT. You trust the, the whole station first. Okay. There's just more. Like it's like the wisdom too. of crowds, you know? That's all. It's like it's the free market. you got more people making uh, decision points, so they're going to be smarter than one guy making a decision. A decision. So thank you for straightening me out. No problem. That's what that. I live to do, Dean. I am here for you. I'm a giver. What can Keep I say? Keep
News Talk 1110-993-WBT. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Let me get back to the phones and get to Billy. Welcome to the show. Hello, Billy. How are you? Thank you for taking my call. Certainly. And congratulations on your program. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that, too. Uh, I am of the age that I recall the rheumatic fever and the polio eras. I had rheumatic fever, but thank God I did not have polio. A previous caller mentioned injection. Uh, If memory serves me correctly, we did not have an injection for polio. We had a sugar cube Mm. that was infused with some substance, and, of course, in those days you didn't question. (laughs) So that was the... uh, Well, and also it's sugar. Like, I think probably, I think maybe we would have a higher vaccination rate if they went around handing out sugar cubes, don't you think? I have no doubt about that, but <laughs> that was the case. We got a sugar cube that was infused with a substance that was supposed to render us uh, immune to polio. Were you aware at the time of any kind of negative side effects? Were people worried about any of that? Do you remember any reports of that? No, I think we were so happy that there was something available that possibly would help because you saw that the children who uh, had polio who were so crippled mm-hmm. um, having braces and braces were not as sophisticated then as they are now sure uh, they were much more crude yeah and some of the children I, I remember recall a couple of them died yeah um, don't recall any of the details of it but they uh, they did not make it through polio. And I also wonder if that demographic difference, whereas polio struck children and it was, you know, I think that affects the society's psyche differently than this, which if, which predominantly hits older people. I, yes, I, I'm sure it did because I recall my parents driving me up and they handing a little plate as well as I recall a little paper square uh, plate uh, with a, a, um, a sugar cube on yeah. it, and you just popped it in your mouth, and we then drove off. Yeah, interesting. Uh, I don't recall having given information or uh, anything like that. Yeah. But then that's a long time ago, and I'm an old man. <laughs> well, uh, Billy, I appreciate the insight. Thanks so much for calling. Thank you. All right. Goodbye. All right, take care. Um I mean, I ate a couple of sugar cubes back in college, but definitely not laced with... The, all right, never mind. Um, Adam, welcome to the show. Hello, Adam. Hey, Pete. Hey. Uh, good to have you back in Charlotte, buddy. Glad thanks. to have you on my local radio again. Well, thanks. Glad to be back. Well, listen, I wanted to uh, chime in on this vaccine topic and maybe give you a little background about some things that have been going on in the General Assembly and then get your opinion about it and, and see what you think and maybe look into your crystal ball a little bit uh, uh, and, and, and hear what you had to say. All right. Um, as you may recall, there was, uh, there was some demonstrations back in May up in Raleigh in support of a bill that was introduced by Larry Pittman. I think mm-hmm. it was H558. Do you remember anything about that? I do. So the, the, the short and dirty version is that he had introduced a bill in the House that would have banned any vaccine passport created or supported by the state government in North Carolina. And the bill would have also prevented or prohibited uh, 
hospitals, universities, private businesses from requiring any kind of vaccine verification as a condition of public accommodation. Right. Um, His was also really, wasn't his really expansive to the point where it basically prohibited the use of vaccinations of all kinds for like K through 12? It was, it was pretty, um, well, the title of the bill was prohibit mandatory COVID vaccinations. So that's a fair point. I'm not sure whether it was limited to COVID or whether it was, it was very, it was very broad. I'll say that much. So it went to, it went to the um, health committee in the house. And from what he told the activists that were pushing the bill, the chairs of that committee were willing to give the bill a hearing and perhaps amend it to narrow the focus or maybe even provide liability protection for businesses as as an incentive to get them to go along. But the chairs of the committee were told kind of off the record by the speaker, so they said, to not hear the bill and not allow it to be brought up for a vote. Now, the bill that did wind up passing the House was H-572, and that was a very narrowly focused bill, right. uh, I think sponsored by Keith Kidwell. Yeah. And that was only – the only thing that that did was to allow – to prohibit the state government specifically uh, to require vaccines by executive order or by agency. And it had said that nothing about vaccine passports and nothing about – limiting what businesses could do in any way. That right. bill did make crossover, went to the Senate, and I think it's now parked in the Senate Rules Committee. So some activists approached, uh, I believe, Senator Joyce Craywick, who's on the Senate Rules Committee, and said, listen, you know, we got this bill. It doesn't really do as much as we'd like, but we're glad to have any bill. Could we offer you these amendments to maybe address the issue of vaccine passports and businesses turning people away if they can't prove that they've been vaccinated. And she was interested. She she was like, let's have some meetings, let's have some discussion, and then nothing. And that was back in May or June. And now, all of a sudden, they can't get her to, to really talk to him at all. So it seems to me, just as, as someone who's kind of hearing things, and granted, it's secondhand, but it seems as though there's some reluctance on the part of legislative leaders in both the House and the Senate to really address this. And it seems curious to me because, as your callers are saying, there's a lot of res- reluctance and resistance to the idea that the government can produce a passport to allow businesses to say, you can't come not- here unless you're vaccinated. Why do you think Berger and Moore would be so resistant to the idea of even allowing a vote on one of these bills? So I think they know that the bills, even if they pass the legislature, will be used against them, weaponized against them. Obviously, the governor will veto them and then they won't be able to override the veto. So is the juice worth the squeeze politically? That's the question. And they're obviously coming to some conclusion that it's it apparently is not. So you know that's the song, right? This is the Rolling Stones, right? Hi. Yes, Pete, this is the Rolling, the Rolling Stones. Sto- <laughs> this, is, this is not Black Keys. This is not Black Keys. The Rolling Stones have announced that their no-filter tour, it is coming to Charlotte September 30th at Bank of America Stadium. And if you call now, you uh, have a chance to win if you are the 11th caller. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. You can win a pair of tickets Good luck.
Godspeed. We're all counting on you. 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. The 11th caller gets a pair of the tickets. Uh, to my wife's favorite band, actually. Yeah, Christy didn't even know that the Rolling Stones were her favorite band until I made her watch Butterfly Hurricane. Sorry. Yeah, right. Butterfly Hurricane. I keep wanting to call it Crossfire Hurricane, which was the... <laughs> All right, that's the... Oh, no, that was it. Butterfly Hurricane was the name of a band from college. Never mind. Crossfire Hurricane. That is correct, right? That was the name of the the uh, the FBI probe into Donald Trump. But, all right, that sounded wrong. But the FBI, the Steele dossier thing, the Russia collusion hoax. Anyway, uh, Crossfire Hurricane, the documentary about the Rolling Stones. And I had her watch that with me because I was interested to see it. And as all good husbands do, we make our wives watch documentaries. And so I uh, I watched it. And the more, like, they're playing all these songs, and she's like, oh, I love that song. Oh, they sing this song. I love that song, too. So now it's our running joke that every time a Rolling Stones song comes on, like, oh, it's your favorite band. Because <laughs> it is, apparently. She had no idea. Uh, all right, so let me get to the second uh, paragraph that I was going to read from this article <laughs> that David Frum wrote at uh, theatlantic.com. Vaccinated America has had enough. And uh, I read one paragraph, like two sentences, and I actually had several more highlighted. I don't think I'm going to get to them, but this is sort of my burden. I do this all the time, have for years. I, I highlight all of this stuff from all these articles. I have a whole stack of stuff, as Rush would call it, and I I never get to it all. <laughs> I end up with so much extra stuff that I don't get to. Um, and you all suffer for that. I'm sorry. Anyway, experts list many reasons for the vaccine slump, he says, but one big reason stands out. Vaccine resistance among conservative, evangelical, and rural Americans. Pro-Trump America has decided that vaccine refusal is a statement of identity and a test of loyalty. But hasn't the left determined the inverse as well? I don't, by the way. I think he is correct. I think, and and if you want proof of this, there's a fella who pointed this out on Twitter the other day over the weekend. Uh, Kaylee McEnany, the former uh, spokeswoman, the press secretary for the Trump administration, that, you know, Trump people loved her. She was a fantastic press secretary. And uh, in their view, and um, I, I thought she got I mean, like I I appreciated that she would spar with the reporters like she did. I, I, I did appreciate that. Um, now, she went over the weekend and said something like, you know, people should get vaccinated. And you look at the responses to this on social media and the like people that, you know, beforehand loved her. Now they hate her. Now she's part of some, you know deep state swamp kind of conspiracy. And like, I'm sorry that I'm not buying that. I'm not a conspiracy theory kind of a guy. I'm, I'm just not. And just full disclosure, I'm not like, I don't, I don't want to convey the idea that conspiracies don't exist. Of course they exist, right? History is replete with them. However, I don't think just because somebody is able to, to conjure up a, a fable in their mind that that somehow means that it's true, right? I require Proof. I require evidence and not not beyond a reasonable doubt evidence like a criminal uh, a criminal case standard. Uh, generally, it's it's usually, you know, civil court. <laughs> it's it's a, it's preponderance of the evidence. It's 51 percent. That That's where you got to get me before I'm, I'm going to say, OK, yeah, that's not a conspiracy. That's not a wild, crazy conspiracy. Right. That's the idea. Because also people say, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. And they. 
they use it as a shorthand to imply that you're insane for believing that people could conspire in a certain way. And look, all you need to do is go back to right the 2016 election and the Steele dossier and Crossfire Hurricane. Just go back to that, and there's ample evidence that that was a conspiracy. Way more than a preponderance of evidence. But this idea that it's only the, the Trump supporters who have made this, what does David Frum call this? He says, uh, decided the vaccine refusal is a statement of identity. The left was doing this with masks. The left is doing this with vaccines right now. So it's not like, you know, one side is doing this and the other is not. Now, the left is claiming a moral superior position, morally superior position here because the vaccines save lives. But this also then gets to an argument that a fellow named John Tamney wrote about. He had a book called When Politicians Panicked, and he talks about the wisdom of the crowds. And he says, look, if you have a baseball stadium and uh, you fill it with, you know, uh, 80,000 people and, you know, one of those persons is Dr. Anthony Fauci, let's say. And let's say, you know, he is the smartest person just for the sake of all right, for the sake of this analogy. He's the smartest person in the stadium at that time. Okay? That could very well be the the, the case. But he's not smarter than 80,000 people. The 79,999 other people. He's not smarter than all of them combined. Does that make sense? This is sort of this is the idea behind the wisdom of crowds. The that you have all of these people with all of this knowledge and when you pool it all together, you're going to get by and large the correct answer. This plays out, by the way, when you watch um, game shows where you have uh, people who could say, oh, I'll ask the audience. And the audience, right, they'll be split. You'll see the different answers and stuff that people, you know, A, B, C, or D. But virtually every single time, the crowd will give you the correct answer, the wisdom of the crowd. And so in this book, he talks about essentially this is a free market capitalist kind of a response. His argument was, let everybody live their lives normally during the pandemic, and you actually would have gotten through the pandemic faster, and you would have found out what works and what doesn't earlier. Because, and, and I asked him, I interviewed him a couple months back when the book came out, and I asked him, well, you know, aren't you ignoring the fact that there are, you know, stupid people, <laughs> for lack of a better description, right? There are people that are not going to listen to the medical advice, they're going to say, you know, I don't need this. I'm healthy. I'm fine. And I'm going to go off. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do all this, other, uh, you know, all this stuff. I'm not even going to take any health precautions whatsoever. And his response was, yes, I do account for the stupid people in existence. And they are actually essential because they will do things that either will get them killed or will prove that it's safe. Right. So rather than have one person at the top say, this is safe and this is not, and it is so because I believe it to be so based on the science, right? Instead, you would have all of these people making decisions and you could figure out, huh, that guy over there, he was over there like huffing lung juice from people and that's how he got sick and died, so let's not do that, right? People would see the behaviors that lead to uh, uh, death and, and infection and then People would avoid those. This actually was borne out in the mask wearing. This actually happened in the mask wearing, where people started wearing masks before the mandates even happened, right? Because they people were like, I'm going to take precautions. I'm going to do this myself. 
And other people were like, I'm not going to do that. And then we get more evidence to compare. Not the Rolling Stones. Congratulations to Charlene. She scored a pair of tickets to go see the Stones when they arrive in Charlotte. September, we're going to be doing it every day, I think, this week, right? Every day? Yes. Every day this week, your chance to win a pair of tickets, so stay tuned. Only during my show, because you listen to the other guys. Like, I need to bribe you for this first week. Um, Got a a nice tweet here from Hal, uh, who's in a debate with some other people, uh, apparently uh, about some of the topic here. We've been talking, and uh, he says, I thought Pete was one of the very best hosts during the Trump 2016 nominee slash election period when he was uh, up in Asheville. He even ended up having a caller with whom he regularly argued name his goat after him, Little Pete. That is a true story, by the way. I have a goat named after me, Little Pete. And he has two brothers, Little Rush and Little Glenn for Glenn Beck. Rush, obviously, Rush Limbaugh. And he's so he's got the three goats on his property in Horseshoe, North Carolina. And his name is Dan. And he sounds like Ernest Borgnine. <laughs> he sounds he sounds exactly he's the he's the nicest guy. And we used to argue. Uh, there was another guy named Bruce. I would argue with him about um, uh, the politics of the 2016 primary. But uh, Bruce did not have a goat. So he did not name it after me. But Dan did. Dan from Horseshoe. And he said, hey, hello, Pete, how are you? And then, uh, yeah, he named a goat after me. So that's my real claim to fame here. You can have all the awards. You can have all the awards you want. I have a goat. Um, which I hear, I hear is that, like, people say the goat is, like, the best, right? Right, so you're literally the goat. I'm literally the goat, although it's a little goat. So it's, it's a little the best. Baby, baby goat. Baby goat. It's science. All right. Um, let's see here. Back to David Frum's piece. I'm going to get to paragraph number three that I highlighted. I'm on a roll. I've got like seven articles, and I didn't get to any of them. In April, people in counties that Joe Biden won in 2020 were two points more likely to be fully vaccinated than people in counties that Donald Trump won. Uh, But by early July, so two months later, the vaccination gap had widened to almost 12 points. Okay, so if you are in a county that Trump won, you're not as likely to have gotten the vaccine as if you were in a county that Biden won. Now, part of this, I've said this so many times, I feel, and I apologize, I repeat it, but I really do think it's the most important piece of information. The most important data piece that I have seen reported during the pandemic was about risk assessment. It was done by Franklin Templeton Group. They hired um, Gallup to do this survey, and they've updated it since. They did it once in 2020, and then they did it again um, in 2021, and they ask people to assess the risk of catching and dying from COVID, or I guess catching COVID and then dying from it. And what they found was that people who are left of center politically have a much higher um, misperception or a a much more skewed misperception of the risk. They think that uh, like your chances are like one out of two of catching it and dying from it. And so the, there's wild misperception of the risk of COVID and dying from it. On the left, it is a misperception that it's more lethal than it actually is. And on the right, it's the opposite. So 
obviously you've got a pretty big gulf there. And when you've got, and this is part of the problem, when you have a reporter uh, or a, a, a press corps that uh, is predominantly made up of people who tend to skew left politically as well, this is the problem you end up having where they're in a room with a politician and in North Carolina is a classic example of it. You've got Roy Cooper up there, Democrat, and you've got a press corps that is predominantly Democrat. And when he was restricting access via the uh, remote dial in on the phone lines, they would, you know, they would stiff arm outlets like WBT and the North State Journal. And so people who would ask a more skeptical or critical type of a question, they were barred from entry. And so what you have is then a press corps that is only asking questions from a particular bent. And that bent, according to the Gallup survey, is more likely to be a misperception that the risk is greater than it actually is. Well, then what happens is you get the reporters asking a politician, shouldn't you be doing more? Shouldn't you be doing more? And I heard it. I, 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 I monitored every single press conference that Cooper had over the last year and a half since COVID began. And... The constant drumbeat from the press corps for him to lock down, for him to do mask mandates, for him to take all of the most draconian precautions, quote unquote, uh, that they thought were necessary to save everybody's lives. And even to this day, Governor uh, Cooper talks about how the actions he took saved all these lives. And on the one hand, he's a you know elected official, so of course he's going to say that he's going to claim credit, spike the football, you know that that I did all the best things. Um, however, maybe somebody could ask him about the other side of that ledger, right? Because there are deaths attributable to the lockdowns. In fact, oh, I'm going to get to a second story in my stack of stuff. This is where North Carolina ranks in drug overdose deaths in 2020. You know, if we're talking about reimposing pandemic responses from last year, then maybe there should be some sort of a reckoning about the ramifications of the decisions that were made last year. More than 93,000 people died of drug overdoses in the U.S. in 2020. That is a 30% increase from 2019. It is the most ever recorded in a single year, according to data released by the CDC. Addiction experts say the increase in overdose deaths was largely driven by the increased presence of the powerful synthetic opioid fentanyl, thank you, China, in the United States. Other contributors include problems related to the coronavirus pandemic, such as increased isolation and job losses. North Carolina is the state with the 23rd most drug overdose deaths per capita with 29 per 100,000 grand total of 3,011 drug overdose related or yeah, uh, overdose related deaths, 3,011 total last year. Um, South Carolina actually ranks higher. Number 16 at um, do, do, do the, where's their total? Overdose deaths, they are at total deaths was 1,728, but their overdose deaths per 100,000 was 34. So this ranking is based on a per 100,000. So that's how you normalize it, right? So they're at 34 per 100,000. North Carolina uh, is at 21 per 100,000, but North Carolina had three times as many actual human beings overdose. 
Like those are those are real deaths too. And so people who are saying, you know, oh, we need to lock down again or we need to go back to some of these restrictions and, you know, closing of businesses and such. When people are when people are advocating that, I think it is only fair that they are asked about the death toll associated with their choice because they are the first ones to associate the death tolls with people who don't want to lock down, right? They're very quick to point out those death tolls. And that's a fair part of the conversation, but it's fair if it's consistent. So let's have a consistent standard applied. What do you say? Stick around. Brett Winterbill is up next on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Thanks for uh, hanging out with me today. I appreciate it. We'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.